Hello, and welcome to the Simply and Fiercely show, a podcast for women who want to clear their clutter and create space for freedom and joy. If your life keeps getting bigger, but not better, keep listening to learn about decluttering from the inside out. It's about creating a life that's aligned with your values and priorities, so you can have more of what matters and less of what doesn't. I'm your host, Jennifer, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Jen here, and welcome to the Simply and Fiercely show. Today I want to share with you three outside-the-box decluttering tips. And what I mean by outside-the-box is that these are things that you don't hear talked about very often, or they might even seem like they contradict a lot of mainstream decluttering advice. But these are things that really helped me when I was on my own decluttering journey, For those of you who are new here, I am a former shopaholic, someone who struggled with clutter for over a decade. I found the decluttering process very challenging. I am not a naturally organized person. I'm very sentimental. I found it really hard to let go. And, you know, it took me many years. I would say like three or four years from the point where I was like, hey, I have decided that I want to do decluttering. Um, that I think that's something that's going to help me until I reached that point where I said, yep, I finally started to make some significant progress. And during that period, I felt like I spent a lot of time going around in circles, feeling very frustrated, feeling like I could make a little bit of progress, but then I would fall into old habits, you know, go shopping again, or I don't know, I just felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I know from conversations with clients and many listeners and readers that a lot of other people feel that way as well. They feel like they're working really hard, but they're not really making any kind of significant or noteworthy progress with their decluttering. So that's why I wanted to record this episode. These are some of the things that really helped me get to a point where at one time I decluttered over 80% of my belongings. So from sort of my peak shopaholicism period. (laughs) Um, And then you know, to the point where I downsized down to about 140 square feet, right? Everything I owned during that period fit into my tiny hatchback. Um, I have upsized a little bit. Uh, My two kids and my husband and I currently live in a small apartment. It's about 660 square feet. So I'm not ultra minimalist. At least I don't think so. I have a lot more stuff than I used to in the past. But I feel like these tips that I'm going to share with you are something that can help anyone at any stage of their journey, whether you want to make an extreme change and you really want to downsize your life, or you just want to reduce a bit of clutter. Okay, so let's dive in. Tip number one is something that really flies in the face of what most people think that they want. And you might feel some resistance to this, but just stick with me. My number one outside the box decluttering tip is to reduce the amount of storage you have available in your home, okay? And the reason for that is it's kind of like Parkinson's law, which if you haven't heard of it, is this idea that when you have like a task to do, let's say that you're a writer and I asked you to write 300 words on a topic, right? And I told you that you have all day to do it. For many people, the task will expand either to the time that you have available or beyond what's necessary just because you have that extra time, right? So if I told you that you have all day, you might spend extra time researching or you might do extra edits, right? It's just sort of human nature. You might dawdle a bit, take a few too many coffee breaks, right? I I actually do quite a lot of writing 
and I have this podcast, but I also have a blog. So I've liked to use writing examples. If you go back uh, either last episode or two episodes ago, I actually recorded an episode that was all about decluttering lessons and tips that I learned from being a writer. But anyway, my point is that I know firsthand how Parkinson's law applies with time, right? If I give myself a shorter deadline, it's like when you're in your school and you're like trying to get an essay done really quickly overnight because you waited for the last minute. It's that same kind of thing. Things will kind of compress when you set hard boundaries for yourself. And I definitely feel that the same thing happens with stuff. If you have a giant walk-in closet, it is so easy to say, oh, yeah, I'll just keep a few extra things, right? What harm is one more item? What does it matter if I keep a few pairs of jeans that I only wear sometimes? It's not doing anybody any harm because I have enough space. And obviously that's true. If you feel completely happy with your closet or your home or whatever space feels cluttered to you, then keep whatever you want, right? I'm not here to tell you what to keep. But if you feel like your clutter is becoming a problem, if you're not happy with your space, one of the ways to kind of uh, sort of like a mental trick is to downsize your space before you're ready, okay? So obviously, if you have a walk-in closet, I'm not saying you need to tear it down, but you can do things like have one shelf that you say, okay, this is where I'm going to keep my jeans or one box or something, or you set aside five hangers. How you do it doesn't really matter, but reducing the storage before you're ready will kind of force your hand. So for example, you might right now have 10 pairs of jeans, right? And there might really just be three pairs of jeans that you wear all the time. If you're anything like me, you tend to have like the things that are your most favorite, the you know, are really comfortable, you just feel the best in, so you wear them all the time, right? But you're keeping those other pairs just in case because, you know, why not? But if you shrunk down your storage to a spot where, let's say, you can only comfortably keep five pairs of jeans, and if you had 10, you could kind of shove them in there, but it becomes a bit of a pain, right? Now, every time you're trying to look for a bunch of jeans, whatever you want to wear, they all spill out everywhere, and it just becomes annoying, right? So, This will help you declutter because one, now the cost of keeping your extra items is something tangible that you can feel. What I often find with clutter is that if you like a whole home full of clutter, it weighs on you, right? It feels heavy. You feel a bit stressed. You feel overwhelmed, right? The way that I think about it is when you come home, you want to feel like you can relax. Your home is like a haven where you can go and you can retreat and recharge and kind of let go of the stress of the world, right? But when your home is cluttered, that doesn't happen. You come home and you're like, oh God, now I'm just reminded of everything that I need to deal with, right? So there's that weight of the clutter in your home, but individual items, for going back to the jeans, those extra pair of jeans, they don't have any kind of pain, (laughs) right? There's no like, it doesn't feel inconvenient to keep those jeans specifically if you have plenty of room. But if you downsize your storage space, and now it is inconvenient. Every time you go through your jeans, there's some pairs falling on the floor, and you're like, oh, this drives me nuts, right? That is going to create a pain point that is going to inspire you to declutter. Now you have motivation. You want to get rid of that pain point. And now keeping those extra pairs that you don't wear, well, there's no reason to do that, right? So that is one of my favorite ways to kind of trick your brain 
into decluttering something. Also, I find that, you know, sometimes decluttering, it's like, how long is a piece of string, right? People ask me like, how many of, how many jeans should I keep? How many towels should I keep? How many, whatever. And there's no one right answer. But when you set boundaries like this, what you are doing is intentionally designing your space. Okay. So for simplicity, we're just going to think about the closet, but obviously this applies to anything. If you have a walk-in closet and you think this is, or just a regular closet, you look at your closet and you say, this is all the space I have. If I didn't already own clothes, let's imagine you had no clothes and you were designing your dream wardrobe from scratch, right? What space in that closet would be ideal? If you were working backwards, where would you put jeans in your closet? Right? And it might sound like I'm overthinking it, but trust me, this really works. And what you're deciding is, when I think about how many pairs of jeans I wear, when I think about my lifestyle, right? I'm saying that this one shelf is all I need for jeans. And when you set that boundary, right? So you don't physically, again, you don't have to physically tear apart your home <laughs> to reduce your storage. You're just setting boundaries. Although I will say that sometimes actually removing things can be helpful if you're somebody who has lots of storage containers, lots of baskets, right? Um, if you kind of donate a few, right? Or pass a few onto your friend. Now you don't have somewhere to put all your stuff. And that forces your hand because you don't want that stuff everywhere. So now you have to make hard decisions. All right. So, you know, it's not for everybody. Some people are going to laugh at me. Obviously, if you live in a really small space, you know, you might be like, what are you talking about? But as I said, I do live in a small space myself and I have tried this hack and it really does work. It's uncomfortable. Your brain will be like, nope, I do not want to do that. But if you really want to get rid of things, it really will sort of force your hand, so to speak. Okay. So my second outside the box decluttering tip is <laughs> do more fun stuff, basically, like get out there and enjoy your life. Um, I actually wrote a blog post, I think last month about this, just talking about how, honestly, my number one decluttering hack is to get out there and enjoy your life. And I'll explain how that works. Basically, if you are not new to decluttering, right? If you've been reading blogs or books or following decluttering accounts on social media, you've probably heard of this concept that the point of decluttering is not to own less stuff, it's to create space in your life for what matters, right? You want more time to spend with your loved ones. You want more time to take care of yourself, right? And having less stuff in many ways creates that more time, right? We also want, you know, to be able to relax in our home. We want to feel less stressed. There's so many things that we want from decluttering. And in theory, those things that we want are the things that really matter to us, right? But the problem is that I know for myself, and again, from working with many of my clients, is that it's so easy to fall into what I call a someday mindset, which is, goes along the lines of, I'm going to declutter my entire home, right? Might take me a few years, but I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to declutter my entire home and work really hard. And then when I'm finished, you know, at some imaginary point in the future where everything is going to be perfect, then finally I'm going to be happy and relaxed, right? And then I can start doing what matters. And it's very similar. Like you may have heard things where it's kind of people do that with money, right? I'm not happy. I'll be so happy once I get that raise, but then you get that raise and then people's lifestyles inflate or life just happens and you normalize it. And then it kind of becomes this chase where you're like, I'm, I will earn more money and then I'll be happy. And then I'll earn more money and I'll be happy, right? 
it's that's what I call the someday mindset. And the thing with someday kind of mindset stuff is that it feels very foreign. It's it's very like not foreign, I should say. It feels very far off in the future. And sometimes it's hard to motivate ourselves, right? Like if I tell you, um, if you just work really hard in five years, you're going to get a raise and then you can take a vacation to the Bahamas. You're like, great. You know, that sounds really nice, but it's just so far away that it's hard to motivate you. So what is bringing this back to decluttering and why I think this is a decluttering tip is for a few reasons. One, I believe that you need to enjoy the process or you're going to lose your motivation and you're going to stop, right? And when you think about having fun, it's kind of like do a bit of decluttering, then show yourself, look, I'm going to, now I have time to do a bit more of what matters. Even if you like logically, you're like, no, I don't have that much time. I still have work. I still have like 10,000 other projects, right? But you need to kind of train your brain into thinking there is some kind of benefit to this. It's not just some kind of thing light at the end of the tunnel, okay? And I think that's actually really important when you're working on any type of goal, whether it's decluttering or not, but you really have to enjoy the process. And it's kind of like a bit of give and take. If you declutter a bit, then you have a bit of fun. You reward yourself for your decluttering. Then you will go back and do some more and then reward yourself some more. And it becomes like this really positive experience. It reminds me of (laughs) when I was in high school, I was on the cross country team and I used to do this four mile run all the time. And the halfway point, I would run two miles to this petrol station, gas station when you're in America. And they used to sell these ice cream tacos, like an ice cream cone, but shaped like a taco. And they were my favorite thing. And so it was like fantastic because it was the exact halfway point on my run. And so that second half, or sorry, that where I was sort of feeling kind of dead a bit in the middle, I would put my head down and I would like sprint and feel very excited because then I got to take a break and have my taco. So it's kind of like that when you're decluttering, right? You want to be doing more of what matters, more of what brings you joy to maintain your motivation. But, and this is really important, I actually think that's only a small part of it. On a much bigger scale, if we look at the big picture about why you have clutter in the first place, I genuinely believe that sometimes the reason our lives are so cluttered is because we have sucked all the joy out of them, right? A lot of people are working really long hours. Maybe they're caring for young children, caring for loved ones. They've got no time for themselves. They set no time away for hobbies. They've like given up on a lot of their dreams. They're just kind of like in survival mode, right? I And I say that because I've felt that myself. I've really been in that kind of place myself. And when I was going through that, I found myself, or even now, I know whenever I go through these periods where life is especially hard and I'm not making time for myself, I shop more often and my material things start to feel more important to me. And the way that I think about it, it's almost like a booby prize, right? It's like, oh, you can't have the life that you really want. So here, have some new jeans, get some shiny new shoes, right? And I'm not saying that's the case for everyone, but for me, this was really significant with my decluttering. I, my life became so cluttered because I became really disconnected from what matters. I started to feel like a lot of the joyous things that I wanted from life were just impossible, right? I had a a mortgage that I was struggling to pay for. I was working like 60 hours a week. I was in an unhappy relationship. The only hobby I had at the time was shopping and 
clothes and like what I wore at the time became so important. And I think it's because it was filling this void in my life. So my theory, which I've tested on myself, is that when you start to make more time for what makes you happy, right? If you used to have a dream of writing a novel, right? doesn't mean you're going to have time. I'm realistic. I know you're not going to sit down and have time to write a novel, you know, this weekend. But if you sit down and just spend, you know, take yourself on a coffee date one morning and spend a little time just doing creative writing for the fun of it, right? Reconnect with those things that really make you feel alive. Try that. And then, honestly, I, I challenge you to do this. Then go back to your home, look at somewhere where it's cluttered that you've really been struggling with, and see if it's easier to let go. And in my experience, it really is because it shifts your perspective. It's kind of like, you know, when you've had kind of a life-changing moment, um, not to be a bit morbid, but like if someone passes away or there's like a near, someone gets really ill and then they make it or, you know, a child's born, right? Any of these kind of things where it's kind of like, wow, holy crap, I'm just hit the reset button. And I realize that life is so much bigger than me. And all of these things that I thought mattered don't really Right. And then if you were going to say like yesterday, you might have been stressing about about stressing out about how many towels you need. And I'd be like, oh, like, who cares how many towels I need? Look, I'm so excited. Look at my new baby. or I'm so happy because my friend just got declared that she didn't have cancer or something. Right. So you have these moments where you're like reminded what is life all about? And so my point when I say do more fun stuff It's to try to intentionally create those moments, maybe not on such a big scale, but just to remind yourself that life is for living. Life is about love and relationships and joy, right? And when you remind yourself of that, it kind of shifts inside and the stuff that you have that maybe you were so tormented over what to get rid of, you just look at it and you're like, oh, okay, well, I actually don't, like that doesn't seem so important anymore. All right. So I know it's a little outside the box, but definitely give it a try. Spend more time doing what makes you feel alive or really lights you up. And the stuff that you feel attached to may very well seem less important. Okay. And the third outside, outside the box, the tongue twister, um, the third outside the box decluttering tip that I want to share with you today is spending time journaling and on self-reflection. Now, any of you listening who are inside my group program, I have a group program called Clear Your Clutter, which opens twice a year where I teach my method for decluttering, which is very rooted in, in a lot of the things that you hear from a podcast. And one of those things that's so important for me is journaling and self-reflection. I think that clutter more often than not is a symptom, right? Instead of a problem. So if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you would have heard me tell this story before, but I grew up with a lot of really deep insecurity. I am a Chinese American. Well, I grew up in America. I live in Australia now, but grew up in America as a young child, um, mixed race. There weren't a lot of people that look like me. And I remember being so painfully insecure, like just wishing that I had blonde hair, that I had, you know, less round nose, like just wanting to look like the girls I went to school with, right? And that just stuck with me my whole life. I dealt with a lot of really almost debilitating insecurity until I hit my early 30s. 
And I can see now that it was that deep insecurity that led to a lot of my clutter problems. I was so obsessed with things like clothes and shoes. And when I was younger, I would beat myself up and just think, oh, you're really vain and materialistic. But I see now that really it was a coping mechanism, right? I didn't like myself very much. And I thought that if I wore the right clothes, bought the right shoes, et cetera, I could fit in, you know, feel more acceptable, feel more beautiful, et cetera. And the reason I'm pointing that out is that it was really hard for me to declutter and also really break my shopping addiction. As I um, said, I was a shopping addict. I mean, I call it an addiction. I was a shopping addict for like 14, 15 years. Um, Maybe it wasn't a full-on addiction the whole time, but it got to the point where I was shopping like five, six, seven days a week. And it really consumed my mind. And what I know now is it was self-preservation. It was a coping mechanism because I didn't ever learn to deal with my insecurity or how to overcome it. And so when I started to realize that, that was a big part of the decluttering process. It was, I don't know, this sounds a little cheesy, I suppose, but it's really true. It was learning to love myself, which was went hand in hand with decluttering. I had to learn how to feel comfortable wearing outfits that I didn't necessarily feel were like super distracting, right? I used to be one of those people, I put so much thought into what I was going to wear and how I crafted every outfit. And I really was, it's embarrassing now because I'm not like this at all anymore, but like hated to repeat outfits, right? And it's because I felt like my clothes were what people saw and then they wouldn't see me, right? And so it was time that I spent journaling and self-reflecting and really thinking about why I shopped, paying attention to my emotions and my fears and really digging around that kind of work, which helped me to see how my clothes were almost like a suit of armor. I felt like they protected me from the world. And so the act of decluttering couldn't happen until I started to make peace with myself. Okay. And that's just one example of how journaling and self-reflection helped me. Another thing I would like to point out is that one of the reasons decluttering is so hard is that we get into our own head, right? We spend a lot of time, we can't even like sometimes communicate why it's hard to let go or why we feel attached to a certain item. It's just like something inside you is like, I can't let go or I really feel this fear about decluttering, right? But when you journal and you write things down, in my experience, when you get things out of your head and onto paper, it's almost like you become a third person, like looking over your shoulder and you read it and you could see it without judgment, without shame. And you can just kind of see, oh, look, here's a pattern, right? I can see that hmm, when you're feeling bad about yourself, you're shopping more, right? And so, as I said, that, that self-reflection, that self-awareness, really understanding the roots of your clutter is everything. That's how you break the clutter cycle. Because as I said, like when I was dealing with all of this, if somebody had come in and did it for me and just took everything out of my house and decluttered it, it would have felt really good for a little bit. But if I never dealt with the root problem, which was, you know, well, there's many of them. (laughs) And that probably makes you sound like I'm very flawed, but you know, aren't we all right? In my experience, there's usually many reasons why people struggle with clutter. We have stories that we tell ourselves, we have things from the past, we have thoughts, beliefs, all of these different things impact our relationship with clutter. And we have to get clear on what those specific uh, 
threads almost. That's the way I like to think about them. They're like threads tying us to our stuff. We have to get really clear on what are those threads so that we could take the time to unravel them. Okay. And so that is why I really think that journaling and self-reflection is a key to decluttering. If you're not a journaling person, that's fine. Even just like taking the time to just ask yourself hard questions, asking really good questions about your clutter. So for example, things like, you know, what am I afraid of? You know, what do I think is going to happen? Or I think actually a really good one is often, how do I think I'm going to feel if I let this go? Right? All of these different kinds of questions, good quality questions are going to help you declutter. So yeah, um, my program Clear Clutter is currently closed for enrollment. But if you are curious, you can go to simplyfiercely.com slash clear your clutter. You can get on the wait list. But this is a lot of the type of work that we do there, this deep self-reflection. Okay, so those are my three outside the box decluttering tips. I know they're a little bit different from what you usually hear, uh, but what I love is that especially the last two, the doing more fun stuff and spending time with journaling and self-reflection, is that not only are they great for decluttering, but they're also, I think, wonderful for improving your quality of life as well. So yeah, give them a try. And thanks very much for your time. I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Simply and Fiercely show. If you want to learn more, you can download my free mindful decluttering guide and learn all the secrets that help me go from shopaholic to minimalist. All you need to do is visit simplyfiercely.com backslash free guide. That's all one word to get instant access. Until next time. Thanks again.